Lord Jesus, we love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the king on the throne, that your, your glory has no end, that your faithfulness has no end. Lord, we ask that as we worship you through the, the reading of the word, that's a good image, through the reading of the word, that you would help us to grow into your image, that you would break the victim mentality off of us, that we would be transformed from glory to glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Can you guess what the sermon's about? <laughs> I figured I'd offend you one more time before the year's over. That way, tomorrow, you can, when you say, man, I'm really offended by Pastor John, I can tell you, that was last year, get over it. <laughs> You've had a whole year to, to move on from that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, just a show of hands. Who's going to eat black-eyed peas and hog-jawed tonight? Or tomorrow? Only one person? We need some more, some more locals in here. Who, who's going to eat sauerkraut and pork? One person. Who's going to like go out to eat and not eat anything junky like that? <laughs> oh, that was a, a that's a, a local tradition that I never fully embraced was the black eyed peas and the hog jaw. I hear it's really good. I couldn't tell you, uh, but. Anyways, okay, uh, we're going to be talking today about breaking the victim mentality off of us. As a, uh, yeah, as a father of five kids, I get um, exposed to things that are culturally relevant, I think, more than other people do. Uh, and one of the, the my, my, commentaries on culture today is that it's becoming more culturally acceptable to embrace a victim mentality in the way we view the world around us, okay? Uh, it's actually like now even, and this is not, I'm going to roast, you know, conservatives and liberals today, so don't, don't get excited yet, but it's, it's actually celebrated to embrace a victim mentality. It's like uh, a, a seat of honor if you're a victim, which is completely perverted, completely backwards from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what we've become as a culture is a people that instead of allowing self-examination that leads to ownership and responsibility of self, it's becoming more acceptable to take whatever trauma or pain or embarrassment or shame we feel and make that the problem of somebody else. Make that their issue to deal with in order to make us feel better. We, okay, you, you good? We like to have oppressors so that we can be oppressed. Yikes. We like to have people to blame for our problems instead of taking responsibility for our own dissatisfaction and allowing the Holy Spirit to come bring healing and restoration in our lives. Instead of changing what we don't like about ourselves, we blame somebody else. 
Liberals like to blame conservatives. Conservatives like to blame liberals. Younger generations blame older generations. Older generations blame younger generations. Minorities blame majorities. Majorities blame minorities. Everybody has to, to, to wrestle with this idea that there's somebody that's victimizing you that has power over the outcome of your life. You, each of us have to reject that for ourselves. Okay? Two of my favorite theologians, they're sitting in this room, I won't point them out, I won't embarrass them. Two of my favorite theologians say this often, I think it should be on like a Hobby Lobby like placade that you could hang up in your house. Nobody can be responsible, looking out of that direction, nobody can be responsible for the condition of your heart but yourself. Have you guys ever heard that before? Incredible. I'll add on to that, and, and not to make it better, but just another commentary on that. That your ability to be aware and then confront the condition of your heart is also connected to your ability to navigate and succeed in the world around you. Should I say it again? Your ability to be aware of and then confront the condition of your heart is connected to your ability to navigate and then succeed in the world around you. And that's Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, so does your retirement plan determine the course of your life? Does your educational background determine the plan of your life? Does your business savvy, does your network of friends and relatives, does your ability to climb ladders determine the course of your life? No. Your ability to guard, to confront Guard and bring healing from the Holy Spirit into your heart gives you the ability to navigate your life well. And that's good news, isn't it? The extent of which you take ownership of your own heart and allow the Holy Spirit in is how far you will go in what God has called you to go into. Your purpose can be stalled out. So just let me say it like this. You have a purpose in God. It can be stalled out if you're unwilling to confront the wounds and the pains and the traumas that have been placed upon you by the world that are being rooted in your heart. Okay? Capiche? But then I was thinking about this. One might ask, John, isn't there real injustices in the world? Aren't there actually victims and victimizers? Like, there are really bad things that happen to people all over the world all the time. Correct. Yes. That is true. There is such a thing as racism. There is such a thing as uh, inequality. There is such a thing as oppressors oppressing the oppressed. But this is what Romans 8 says about it. This is what Paul, the apostle, says about it. Go to Romans 8, verse 39 through, or 35 through 39. Romans 8, 35 through 39. And I'm going to read this in the NIV. There it is. He's got it up there. That's awesome. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness 
or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors who loved us, through him who loved us. Let's just stop right there. So that's a pretty exhausted list of things that can happen to you, even at the hands of other people, that would cause you not to feel loved by God, right? Famine, uh, sword, uh, what else is in that list? Nakedness, nakedness for sure. Could you imagine if you showed up to church naked? People would be like, get away. <laughs> Persecution, hardship, none of these things can separate you from the love of God. That's incredible, right? And not only can these things not separate you from his love, but in his love, you are qualified as more than a conqueror. That is really good news. That despite what you're going through, you are an overcomer. You are in the victory. You are not a victim to your circumstances. Wow. That's cool. All right, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither life, or neither death, nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's really important that he added all those things. Not only did he say you're not a victim to your circumstances, you're not a victim to the misfortunes that can come into your life outside of your control. You're also not a victim to any oppressing force that would come to oppress you. There's not a power or a created being in all the universe that can make you a victim. <laughs> Maybe what Paul was actually saying was nobody is impressed by your complaining except for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, we often forget that the canons of Scripture, the, 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 the fullness of the Scriptures, they were not written to a neat and tidy little chapel in the countryside. The Scriptures were written to free men and to slaves. The Scriptures were, meant, were written to prostitutes and buyers of prostitutes. The scriptures were written to tax collectors and those who are in tax debt, murderers and those who are being persecuted, the rich and the poor alike. The scriptures were not written to one persecuted, victimized person, but all of humanity as a whole. That's important to understand. That means that you can't use the scriptures as a means to accentuate your victimization by another oppressing party. Because you're more than a conqueror. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Everybody good? I think this is fun. This is for me too. I'm totally like everybody else. And I think you know that because you guys hang out with me. <laughs> So how do we know if we're trapped in a victim mindset, and how do we break out of a victim mindset? Okay, as mentioned earlier, 
if you perpetually blame others for the poor conditions of your life, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and that's hard. Like, if you've been stolen from, it's hard not to view yourself as a victim. And I can tell you from experience, as somebody who's had tens of thousands of dollars stolen from them, that you don't get to be a victim even when people steal money from you. Okay? Just wanted to throw that in. Financially, then maybe you have developed a victim mentality. The opposite of a victim mentality, I made this next term up, I think it's pretty cool, would be an opportunity mentality. An opportunity mentality looks at adversity as an opportunity. It doesn't blame others for trials and setbacks. Instead, it looks at trials and setbacks as an opportunity to be strengthened and grow in God's grace for the purpose he has assigned for you. An opportunity mindset doesn't blame others for personal insecurities or feelings of inadequacy. Rather, an opportunity mentality uses those feelings to propel itself back into God's all-conquering, all-restoring, all-enduring love. A good example, this is a great example, and so the younger people won't like this because it's hard to see this at first, but you'll get it as you grow. A good example would be how we look at work. An opportunity mentality sees a job as a tool for fulfillment, satisfaction, and personal wealth building. A victim mentality views a job as a burden, a form of oppression, and a thief of personal joy and fulfillment. Are you offended at me yet? (laughs) A victim mentality takes on bitterness and holds on to grudges feels entitled to what they want without work or sacrifice. And that's tough. (laughs) Everything good in your life is going to come through work and sacrifice. And full stop, period. Withholds love and encouragement to others. It's really difficult to encourage others when you believe you are a victim to everybody else. Blames others for their personal problems. Guys, just look at the ceiling while we do this. You're making me uncomfortable now. I'm a victim of your stairs. (laughs) On the other side, an opportunity mindset forgives freely and often. Forgives freely and often. And this is difficult to understand when you're enduring pain from other people, but freedom comes from forgiveness. It's the cross of Jesus that we are free because of his ultimate sacrifice on the cross, which forgave us of our sins. Uh Opportunity mindset forgives freely and often. Is it fair to say that you're going, if you're going to forgive freely and often, that you're also going to be offended often? I think so embraces hard work and sacrifice as a means to hard or to success okay encourages those around them frequently and often looks at themselves first when confronted by a personal problem and so this is not to say that every problem you're you're facing is your own fault but the solution always starts with resolution in your own heart Okay, 
Good deal. Breaking a victim mentality looks like encountering God's love, allowing his grace and forgiveness to lead you into the belief system that you don't have to settle less than what he paid for you to live in. Okay? How many of you know that your beliefs are either a fortified grave or a wellspring of fresh water bringing you into life? (laughs) Come on, baby. I just want you to know that not everything on YouTube is for your benefit. Okay? TikTok, sorry. Not everything on Instasnap is good for your heart. In fact, we don't realize it, but repetition actually trains our heart. Did you know that? When you look at lies perpetually and continually, you fortify a tomb in your heart. It's a place of death where there is no life. But when you embrace the truth, you have an eternal spring bubbling up from the inside. Rivers of living water. Jesus has promised, what, a pretty okay life? Like, if you, that's right, life abundant. Not a life if you follow the rules, it'll be all right. Not a life like, just, you know, don't go too crazy trying to do things. No, no, an abundant life. If there is an area of your life that feels oppressed or broken, it's not a place where you've become a victim. Okay, this is what I want you to understand. The places in your life where you feel oppressed or broken or unsatisfied are not places for you to become a victim. They're opportunities for you to experience God's love in a way that you've not experienced before. You understand that? I think so. Pretty good. The reason we get stuck is not because God's love is not able to penetrate our hearts. The reason we get stuck is because we believe that our insecurities are a dead end. They're not a dead end. There's two types of people. There are people who are consumed with themselves, and there's people who believe that God has something better for them if they'll just get over themselves. Look, you, you are sitting next to people who have problems. You are sitting next to people who are victimized, who are oppressed, who feel they're treated unfairly and, and are, are done wrong by other people. The only thing stopping you from moving beyond what you think is happening to you is what you believe about God's relationship to you. That's it. If you believe that God has chosen for you to be a victim, you'll stay a victim. And you can just creep around being bitter at people and thinking nobody cares and that you've always got to curse people from a distance to get what you need, but you'll be stuck right where you are while people pass you by on a daily basis. But if you can allow God's love to shed into your heart the reality that he has something better than you've experienced previously, that he has something better than what you're experiencing in this moment, then you can get over that. And then you can begin to believe that what he's allowing you to go through right now in this moment is not a weapon formed against you. It's a tool to repair your broken heart and grow you into a greater revelation of his image. Here's a hard truth. God is going to let you go through hard stuff. That's right. He's with us. But he's going to let you go through it. And his mood is not changed by the fact that you don't like what you're going through. 
he's still in a good mood. His mood is changed based on how you respond to what you're going through. Look, you don't get to choose whether or not you go through hard things. Amen? You don't get like a, a, a menu like, okay, as I go through this life, I'm going to check bankruptcy, divorce. Uh, I don't want a, a, a family member to die. Just get rid of that. No, you don't get to choose the trials you walk through. And I know that's hard because we want to do everything we can to organize our lives in such a way where we feel like we're in control. But it's just complete hogwash. You can pray all the right prayers. You can do all the right Bible teachings. You can fast the appropriate amount of times. But even still, there will be things that happen to you that you did not choose for yourself. Are you mature enough to agree upon that? The choice is not for you to make upon what you're going to walk through in order to grow you. The choice you have is what you allow your heart to do in response to what's happening to you. Do you allow it to sink into despair? Do you allow it to be entangled in lies? Do you allow it to build a coffin of death? Or do you demand that it believes that God is going to use this to better your life in him. And look, it's not about faking. Again, we talked about this. Jesus didn't fake it on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I going through this pain? I don't like what I feel. It's okay to be honest about the condition of how you feel. Actually, it's important if you want to leave that condition. It's needed. It's necessary. It actually propels you forward being honest about what you're going through. But even then, as Jesus demanded his heart would submit to the Father's will, you must demand that your heart submit as well. Despite the way I feel, I choose to believe God is good. His love is with me. It can't be separated from me. Despite that I see enemies before me on my left and on my right, I choose to believe that he's going to use this to build in me a, a a form of love that I've not known previously. I choose to believe that I am not a victim to this circumstance. I am more than a conqueror, and when I'm done kicking this situation's butt, I'm going to move on into glory. Amen. Will you embrace victimhood, be overwhelmed by your insecurities, or will you see opportunity and allow it to grow you in God's plan for your life? You have to stop looking to the world for your rescue. <laughs> this is probably just me. I know none of you fine Christian folks have ever done this. There was a, a time in my life where I would look at the news frantically like two to three times a day, just wait, going through the headlines, waiting to see that the bad guys were caught and the good guys got them. Never happens, by the way. Right? Never have the justice of this world is never satisfying. I would scroll through just thinking, like, when is the National Guard gonna raise up and just shoot all the bad guys? Or, or when is Clint Eastwood gonna be ushered in with a peacemaker and take care of all the injustices in the world? Has anybody ever been there before? Just like waiting for the world to reconcile all the injustices. That's a trap. It's not going to happen. You're not going to see 
a form of godly justice in a fallen and broken world. And the more you go to the world looking for a reconciliation, the more you're going to exclude yourself from being a heavenly solution in places where you've been put. <laughs> the more you make yourself a victim to the world, waiting on a rescue from the world, the more you keep yourself from transcending fallen ideology and becoming a divine instrument of God's revival in the places he's put you. You have to quit looking to the world for a rescue. And commit yourself to Jesus. Well, you know, I said the prayer. I'm saved. I'm not, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about you being led by Jesus. You being committed to his leadership in your life. His leadership looks like you embracing his plan despite what's happening to you. Psalms 10, verse 13 and 14. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. But you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Look, folks, all of us have this cry in our heart, God, we want to see justice on the earth. We want to see punishment happen to those who have hurt us and hurt the ones we love. We want to see things done the way we want to see them done. All of us have that cry in our heart. There's not a single one of us that, that enjoys watching injustices happen on the earth. Unless you're just like a complete narcissist. Then you've got deeper issues. But all of us also have to come to the, the reconciliation that although we have a desire to see justice, we cannot put our faith in what the world can provide. That we have to detach ourselves from the addiction of seeing justice in a black and white, we, what we think is right and wrong format and say, God, although this person may die before they ever see justice on this earth, they are going to stand before you. And here's even the crazier part. You might stand next to them while they stand before God. <laughs> and neither you nor the oppressor, the victim or the victimizer, the, the perpetrator of harm or the person who is hurt, neither are going to be God in that situation. Neither are going to be able to make a case against the other before the Almighty. Both will have to yield themselves to the justice of heaven, to the justice of Yah, to the justice of Adonai. <laughs> and that's the truth that you have to walk in today. It's your responsibility to cling to God and trust that he will defend you either on this earth or vindicate you in the life to come. You have to believe that his love is more satisfying than seeing what you think you deserve come into your life. Here's a, another hard truth. Every person that is born into this world at some point in their life is going to be a victim of some injustice. Every person who is born into this world is going to be at some point a victim to some sort of injustice. Again, you don't get to choose that. The question is will you look to the world for vindication 
Or will you look to God and allow him to be your redeemer? See, inside the church bubble, it's really easy and normalized to find an enemy, rally together, and persecute the enemy from inside the bubble. But this, this is how the church collapses. This is why the church doesn't grow, is because we are still looking to the world for vindication. We are still looking to the world to provide the justice we think we need. Jesus said to go out like lambs among wolves. He told you, I want you to enter the world and take the position of prey in the face of predators. How upside down is that? How counter-cultural is that? How, how different is that from the way we think we should regard our own selves? Go into the world. Don't take anything with you. Don't prepare yourself for any sort of situation. In fact, the only thing I need you to do is to make yourself like a prey to a world full of predators. Now, if God was not good, if God was not just, if he was not faithful, if his love was not enduring, that would be cruel. That would be terrible. And don't judge me for this, but we had a bunny once, and we got sick of the bunny living in the garage because this bunny starts to smell. <laughs> I know, they know where this is going. So we took the bunny, and we put it out in the chicken coop. That was terrible. The bunny was killed. <laughs> Very quickly. That bunny was prey in the face of predators. That's cruelty, by the way. And we're sorry, PETA. We didn't mean to do that. We thought the bunnies and the chickens would cohabitate. <laughs> That's cruelty. That's not good. Some of us are like, why did he do that? He's living his dream life. He's free. Sorry. Did we not tell the kids? And folks, let this be a sermon in the sermon. Never lie to your kids about the outcome of the animals. Oh, jeez. So anyways, that bunny is happy. He's just roaming around. He found a patch of wild carrots, and I think he's good. This is real life, guys. You just get, just get corrected in front of the whole church by your family. That's, just, that's it right there. All right. Uh, so that would be cruel, and it was cruel. Uh, Lord, forgive me. Hey, you know what is really tasty, though? Rabbit stew. Okay, uh, moving on. That would be cruel, and it is cruel. Like, why would you just put something out to die if there was no benefit for that thing. See, Jesus didn't send us out as prey before predators because he just wanted to execute us in mass. No, no, he sent us out as prey because he wanted us to learn that there is something much better, much higher, much more satisfying that's not available to us within the realm of this world. There, there is something 
you are created for. There is a divine justice that your heart desires that is not available to you in the realm of this world. Do you understand that? And the longer you dig into this world looking for it, the deeper the grave you dig for yourself. The longer you wait for people to apologize to you for what they did, the digger you deep this grave for yourself. The longer you wait for the person that you're probably still doing a relationship with to figure out they're wrong and you're right, the deeper you dig this grave for yourself. The longer you wait for the right political system to change and make everything right, the longer you dig this grave for yourself. There is a justice you are created for that is not available to you within the powers and the realms of this fallen world. It is only available to you through the shed blood of Christ on the cross so that you may experience the love of God Almighty and be fulfilled by his purpose for your life that has been ordained for you before you were even born, before you even came from the womb. God saw you and knew you and had a purpose and plan for your life that could not be fulfilled on this earth. And the longer you look for it on this earth, the further you bury yourself in the death of this earth. It's time to stop being a victim. It's, it's time to stop looking for justice in a system that is fallen by nature. Lord Jesus, would you give us Divine revelation, would you give us the ability to transcend what we see, to move beyond what we feel, to give, give us endurance beyond what we even know, Lord? And would you reveal your love to us and remind us in a new and revelatory way that we are not a victim to our circumstances. We are more than conquerors. Stand with me. We're going to pray. If we get the worship... Folks, come back up. And first, we'll send a prayer up for the little bunny that I murdered. Bless you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you paid the highest price for every soul in this room. Lord, there's not one that you were willing to leave behind, God. It says in your parable of the sheep that you left the fold, the 99, to find the one. And so, Lord, we stand before you as the one today, God, that although we're lost and although we feel victimized, although we feel oppressed, God, we choose in the name of Jesus to believe that we are more than conquerors. And right now, we separate ourselves from the spirit of this world. We separate ourselves from the influence and the culture of this world. And I say right now before you, Lord God, I am a victor in Christ, that the victory belongs to me, that despite what my enemies say or do, despite what's been done to me in the past, I declare now by the blood of Jesus that I am a victor in Christ. And I cast down the victim mentality off of my life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah.
We're going to have the altar open. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward. We're just going to take a moment to respond to God and, and worship in prayer.